Contact here. Captain! Signatures detected. Shield up. Signatures detected. Context Starfleet Command. What's happening? Context Starfleet Command. Delay that order. Context Starfleet Command. This is the captain. Context Starfleet Command. Get out of my chair. Chair, 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 chair. We have engaged the Klingons. Klingons. Welcome to The Greatest Discovery, a Star Trek Discovery podcast from the makers of The Greatest Generation. I'm one of those makers. My name's Ben Harrison. Over here is Adam Pranica. Ben, uh, this is, I think this is a really special day in the history of The Greatest Discovery program. Yeah? Uh, and it's What makes you think that? Because something happened today that has never happened in the history of our show. And I'll tell you what that is. Star Trek Discovery news actually broke this morning before we recorded the show. <laughs> really? I have not been uh, I have not been keeping up with the news, you know. I know it's a shock because uh I mean we we have a pseudo recording schedule. We have a firm uh release schedule and so often on this show we'll record and release a show and then news will happen the next day and then Yeah. We won't have anything, we won't be able to comment on it for another couple of weeks. But here's what happened this morning, Ben. Star Trek Discovery announced the Short Trek schedule and uh, and gave us a teaser preview, which is what it's called in the biz. How is this blindsiding me right now? I'm, I should be... I'm blindsiding you. I'm, I'm giving you the news live on the show. It's great. Anyway, these, these Short Treks, the first one's going to come out on October 4th. Okay. Which is right around the corner. That's yeah, like that's, uh, right up. that's almost two weeks away. I feel like. Yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be playing a show in Vancouver, British Columbia that night. Uh, and then they're going to come out monthly through January. So the first one is uh, is called Runaway. It's the it's the Ensign Tilly episode. Comes out Thursday, October fourth. Followed by Calypso on Thursday, November eighth. That's the uh, that's the Michael Chabon episode that you're you've been looking forward to intently. How do I get dragged every time I correctly pronounce something in French, but you can get away with calling somebody Michael Chabon. <laughs> that's the, like that's like calling it Tarjay. <laughs> How do I really pronounce it, Ben? Chabon. Thursday, December sixth, this is the brightest star. That's gonna be a short a short episode based on uh, on Saru. And then the last short trek is gonna be on Thursday, January third. It's called The Escape Artist and uh, it's the return of Harry Mudd. I read that that uh, that Harry Mudd one is uh, the writer of it is one of the writers of Rick and Morty, written by Michael McMahon and directed by Rain Wilson. Pretty fun. Yeah, I am super pumped that we get we get new discovery to talk about as soon as two weeks from now. Yeah, and uh, and more every month thereafter. I mean, there's not much to see in this little short treks trailer. It's a total. Like they show you five second clips from all of these, all yeah, these little sure. short apps, but uh, something to be excited about in the coming months. I'm uh, I'm pumped for that. Uh, I mean, I think we'll keep our normal release schedule for this show during the short treks episodes release. So, like for example, for that October fourth episode, I think we have a. Greatest Discovery scheduled to come out on October 9th. That's so right, yeah. We, we will be in your earbuds talking about that app uh, in our next episode. That's right. Well, that is super fun. I, I can't wait. I love Tilly. 
I can't wait to see her episode. Yeah, I'm glad she's starting the show. Yeah. What a smart move by CBS to have there be something to to tide us over like this. We've got some hard candies to to chew on before before the meal comes. Yeah. That's how you consume hard candies, right? <laughs> I don't know. I'll take your word for it, Adam. Little little pre-meal hard candy. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know anything about hard candy or meals, Ben. But what I what I do know is that uh, is that this episode is about comic books. Yeah, the the uh, the other um, the other content that we have to to tide us over, and uh, we just started reading. I, I think this was the first Star Trek Discovery comic series that they put out, uh, the Light of Kalos. Yeah, I was excited to read these books because it gives you the opportunity to do that great Vogue voice that <laughs> I've come to know and love. So, Ben, why don't you uh, why don't you introduce the show in your best Vogue, and we'll get started. Well, we read uh, issues one and two of the of the comic, so why don't we get into Star Trek Discovery: <laughs> The Night of Kalesh. <laughs> Uh, so we start with the uh, the Hulk of the Klingon ship of the dead kind of decaying in space. It really looks rotten, doesn't it? Yeah. It looks like a bunch of mold just in the shape of a starship. And uh, this is in the kind of immediate aftermath of the Battle of the Binary Stars. And uh, they are... They're on board this ship talking about how the supplies are going to dwindle if they don't get their act together and fix their ship up. They're in media race on the banquet of Georgiou, I guess. Yum, 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 yum. Gnawing on some skull. Yeah. You want to go low and slow on that skull probably, right? (laughs) I don't know. There's not a lot of meat on a skull, right? Yeah. I mean... Do you think brain would taste good? Or would it be gross? I think one of the... I mean, and I apologize in advance to all of our... our It's not cannibalism because there are different species. Our veg and vegan audience members out there. But uh, the face is sort of one of the great pieces of an animal to eat. Yeah. And uh, and I imagine if uh, if Giorgio is anything like uh, pork, then then I feel like her cheeks have got to be real delicious. (laughs) (laughs) Got to get those Giorgio cheeks. I ate some horse face one time in Canada. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, it was delicious, but I also, like, sometimes look back on that choice with regret. (laughs) You know? I'm pretty sure our dogs eat horse face all the time. (laughs) Yeah, and anybody that's eaten in the uh, canteen at an Ikea. So so don't act like you guys are all morally superior to me. At least I knew what I was doing. <laughs> yes, for you it was a choice, Ben. I mean, I made the wrong choice, but I made that choice. I think one of my favorite kinds of stories is the let me tell you a story kind of story. And that's what Light of Kalis number one is. Yeah, it's a bit of a, it's, it's, a, it's Laurel walking up to Voke and uh, saying, Voke, if I could draw a comic book... <laughs> Do you want, to, you want me to tell you what the comic book would be? And Vogue goes, yeah, lay it on me. I'm r- really interested to hear about the comic book you would like to draw. Laurel's sort of like 
kind of crawling up his ass about his leadership style. And it's like, you know what? Uh, I see you kind of struggling, W slash R slash D, the leadership on this ship. Let me tell you a story. Hey, let's rap about a, about a guy we know and love named Takufma. And so we, uh, we're on Kronos, and it's, uh, the color gets a little, a little muted or muted in a different way. I like that it kind of has a almost a sepia effect. Yeah. Uh, to tell us we're in the past, and uh, this is uh, this is little boy Takufma, which is a character we actually see in the show. And this is uh, made me wonder whether these comics inspired those scenes in the show or vice versa, because uh, Kristen Bayer again is one of the writers on these books, but also in the writers' room on the show. What little we see of young Takuvma on the CBS show is of him being bullied and harassed by his family and friends, and we get we get more of a taste of that here. It's a part of life for him, and I feel like any shitty thing a Klingon does to you, it's all in the service of becoming a better Klingon. Like, they're beating the shit out of him and going, this is for your own good. You know how when people are mean to you, like right now, something that people say occasionally is like, God, what a dick. Do you think, like, <laughs> if you're a Klingon, you're like, God, what a couple of dicks. But you're talking about one person. <laughs> Man, yeah. Nobody, like, it kind of like, changes your whole perspective on what you call people, right? Like, are you a dick's head? <laughs> A dick's bag? <laughs> right. Really makes you think. <laughs> that guy's a real dick holes. <laughs> boy, uh, boy, did you see what happened to him at work? He really got his dicks put in a couple of vices. <laughs> <laughs> boy, you really don't want to use the bathroom in that rest stop bin. Uh, no. Saw a couple of glory holes. In the stall there. <laughs> Do you think that a Klingon bathroom has two urinals next to each other and then a partition and then two urinals next to each other and then a partition? <laughs> <laughs> I, God, that is, that is a great question because I feel like, man, I guess, I guess it would depend on if they kind of walleye out as, as they dangle away from the body or if they, or if they are like, if they go out and then come close together toward the end. Was it one over the other one in the in the scene that famously depicted the guy peeing? Was that, it two streams stacked on top of each other? It was stacked streams, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. So maybe, I think uh, what we're talking about is like, you know how sometimes you'll go to an older bathroom and that urinal will go all the way to the floor? Like it'll be right. like floor to, to chest urinal? I love, the, I love those type of urinals. So do I, yeah. And I, I think that's what they're working with on yeah. on Kronos. Do you think that there's two little fly uh, icons <laughs> to aim at <laughs> to prevent splashing? Do you think you could kind of braid your dick? <laughs> like if oh, it yeah, were flaccid? That's a, that's a real sign of how of of how much you're packing. Yeah, like, I could get three braids in it, baby. <laughs> like you look like a like one of those dog toys. <laughs> If you're braided and then you get too messant, that could be big trouble, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you'll break something down there, I think. Yeah. 
another thing I thought was remarkable about the Klingons in this book is we see a lot of hair and facial hair. And yeah. in this scene where he's getting beat up, there's one of his brothers has like a a ponytail. Yeah, he's rocking a pony. We have confirmed Klingon hair, Adam. These are not hairless Klingons. They're shaven. It's nice to have an answer to that, finally. Yeah. So to escape this beatdown that he's getting, uh, young Takuvma uh, runs into the woods, and this is a very spooky, fangorn forest-looking place. And uh, he comes out the other side, and uh, it's... (laughs) It's a little bit LV426 when, mm-hmm. when he comes out the other side. There's a uh, the hulk of the of the ship we will come to know as the Klingon ship of the dead sitting on the on the forest floor in a big clearing and uh, he enters it and runs into his big sister. I think these frames of the forest are maybe my favorite frames of any Star Trek comic we've seen. Like with yeah, the light really cool. rays coming through the branches and like ten thousand little pen strokes, yeah, in those frames, yeah, I really it, it think makes they're it amazing. Feel like insecty and creepy. It really, it really puts you in an environment. It's it's a very visceral drawing. Yeah, I think it's some of the the best artwork that we've seen since since doing the comics project. It's really awesome. And when you contrast it against, like, that last panel of Takuvma being surprised by the sarcophagus ship, there's, like, there's like 30 line strokes there. There's so few yeah. on his face comparatively. It's really striking, the contrast. Put yourself in this place, this time. So his sister is on this ship. Uh, this is Jula. She is uh, pursuing a project of rebuilding this thing, and she kind of... She kind of starts to tell him a story about the past and how they are members of a nominally great house that is not doing that great mm-hmm. these days. And uh, this this ship was a big... Uh, <laughs> I mean, it seems like it, it was like the, uh, the military-industrial complex of their house gone wild. Yeah. Like they built this huge ship, but they kind of went broke doing it. Yeah, I mean, the family's been down and out for a long time, and this is like the rust bucket in the barn under the car cover, you know? Like, it could, it has the potential to bring them a great bit of pride and maybe unify the houses in the process. Yeah, and so she puts, she gives him like this uh, this VR headset. <laughs> it's very intricate. It's pretty, I don't know why it would need to go over your nose and mouth. I feel like most of the VR things I've seen just do eyes and ears, but maybe this one has smell and taste virtual reality also. When you're putting on a VR headset, you want to make sure that you put the VR headset onto the small child next to you before putting it on yourself, right? (laughs) I thought that was the opposite, but I guess with VR, you're you're compromising your senses of what's actually around you. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to put on a VR headset. Uh, onto someone else if you pad yours on first. Yeah, it's fair. It's inversely instructional here. I don't. I am with you though. I don't feel like this is necessary to tell the story. Like, especially because when we see what Takuvma sees, it's like, it's not great. Like, it's not <laughs> like all she's saying is, it, she's basically showing him a map, right? A uh, yeah. She's prepared a little a little PowerPoint deck about what her plan is for the future. And it's about, yeah, like the their house and how it has, the walls of it have receded as 
their uncle and father and grandfather sold sold things off to to cover their costs but sold off things that were generating money and power for them so it's weird that like she uses augmented reality technology to show him like how the borders have changed but yeah. they don't use it uh for the ship itself like so that he could see what what it could one day look like or yeah. whatever yeah yeah yeah, it's an interesting scene. I mean, the she's really pissed about it, about how this house has declined in this way. And it's not because they've been losing fights, which uh, I guess would be maybe more honorable in a weird way. Right. It's that they've just, like, it's, an, it's economic mismanagement. Yeah, it's a lot like House of Quark. <laughs> yeah, totally. Here. Uh, but she she also tells him about her intention once this ship is fixed up to head to Boreth, and uh, Boreth is the planet that the uh, Klingon monks live on, and uh, study the ways of Kales, or as I'm sure she said it in the untranslated Klingon, Kales. <laughs> yeah, they both like come to this conclusion that it's going to be great because both of them are going to get to go and, and spend time in the Kayla Sweat Lodge. I think this is the the caves that Worf goes to mm-hmm. when uh, in the Rightful Air episode, like the yeah. where they uh, <laughs> they wind up cloning Kalos, bringing him back that way. Yeah, it's at this point in the story that uh, it kind of reach it kind of forks right because we see the contrast between how shitty Takuvma's life is at home. And how many prospects he has whenever he goes to the ship. You get to, you get to see kind of a montage of uh, his uncle being a shit to him and him being treated like the son that no one likes, like the kid at the table that no one likes. And then we'll, yeah. we'll like cross cut right into him training with people on the sarcophagus ship and getting a lot out of it and like gaining the respect of people through his effort. Yeah, he's learning he's learning to be a fighter. And that's different from just getting his ass whooped by his brothers every day. Do you feel like there are more than one white-skinned Klingon people on this ship because there's something about the artwork in this comic that was confusing, which was like they they shade a lot of the Klingons uh very light to very dark, and some yeah. of the lighter-skinned Klingons look just as as light-skinned as Voke. I wondered about that because the the guy that he does most of his training with, Kel, definitely appears to be light skinned. But that and that's something that's like a really big deal in the show, yeah. but is totally uncommented on in this comic right. book. So I don't really know. Maybe he's not. I don't know. Maybe yeah. Maybe it's just that the drawing is misleading or whatever. Or I mean, I I could understand why it's difficult to draw six different Klingons six different ways. I'm sure I'm yeah. sure skin shade was a big part of differentiating them. That could be it. I mean, I, I definitely had a few moments where I had to like go back and remind myself like what right. what shirt Takuvma was wearing so that I could yeah. be like, who's this in this fight? It's easy to get lost a little bit in some of these scenes. Yeah. I mean, we had the same problem watching the show. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Funny how that works. Yeah. Toward the end of this issue, there's a scene in the crypt of the house of Grach. It's the uncle, like, complaining that uh, he's had a sarcophagus carved up for his brother, and he doesn't doesn't think the workmanship is that good. <laughs> and amidst complaining about the workmanship being not that good, 
he uh, suggested Takuvma become the apprentice of of the carver, who's also the father of the guy he's been uh, learning to fight with. Now, when you're carving a sarcophagus, <laughs> you're going to want to make sure your likeness is as close to the real thing as possible. I like to use the rounding over bit to start <laughs> with a rough outline of the Klingon loaf. We're using a whittling jack to do some of the finer detail work. <laughs> We've purchased a 16-piece wood carving set from our local hardware store. <laughs> we recommend looking for a high-carbon <laughs> chisel, which will hold its sharp edge for years to come. You want to sand the burrs out of the sarcophagus using a fine 1,000-grit sandpaper and then a nice coat of lacquer. We'll give it the shine you want in your very dimly lit crypt. We're leaving the bottom of the sarcophagus fairly rough so that when we use adhesive to affix it to the hull of the ship, (laughs) it'll get a nice good grip. (laughs) But that's a story for next time. I wish one of us had a good Kevin O'Connor. <laughs> He's so, like, anonymously, like, everyman voice. Like, Yeah, he has a little dab of Boston, but mostly it's just an unremarkable, plain Jane voice. And he's great, too. Like, it's he's a guy who was never hired for his voice. He's got a great voice, but he's just, yeah. like, almost anonymously everyman contractor guy. Unparadisable. Yeah. Yeah, too uh, bad for us. <laughs> but yeah, the Takufma actually rides for not becoming a coffin carver's apprentice, but going to Boreth to his uh, to his uncle. And his uncle surprisingly loves this idea. Basically makes arrangements for it post haste. I mean that's what his wife likes about him, right? He's spontaneous. <laughs> yeah, he keeps it fun. <laughs> but yeah, this uh this is a bit of a surprise to the uh, light-skinned dudes that are there. And Takuma goes to tell Jula. She, she fronts like she's pleased, but the second he walks out of the room, she is, like, smashing shit and uh, leaving her hands bloody, which uh, indicates to me that she is quite upset indeed. Which is strange because, like, the button on the, on the issue is that, like, she's not surprised that this is how it is because of the gender norms on Kronos. Like, I don't think she ever thought that she'd be tapped to go on this trip. I mean, that's why she was rebuilding the starship. She wanted to go do it herself. Yeah. Like, without anybody's input. You're outwardly happy for someone's success, but inside you're just seething. And that's Jula's deal here. Yeah. So the last page is... uh on Boreth, and Takuvma is making the on-foot approach in a little red riding hood <laughs> cape. How did that work? Did he beam down a kilometer from the place and just have to walk in the rain? Why not just beam into the place? When we took that lift into the city to watch Star Trek Six at the Cinerama, the traffic was so bad. We got like six blocks away. And we were finally like, fuck it, we'll just walk the rest of the way. Maybe that's what Takuma did here. Like, traffic too bad. (laughs) You know what, I'll just get out here. (laughs) It has been nice riding with you. Five stars. Good conversation. (laughs) Clean automobile. Friendly driver. (laughs) 
<laughs> Kurt, music selection. <laughs> nice tea. Uh, at this point, we decided to go right into issue two. I think we didn't discuss why we did, but I feel like uh, issue one was pretty short and yeah. ended kind of abruptly and didn't give us a ton to talk about. I don't know if I had been just kind of a civilian comic enthusiast, if I had bought the first one when it came out and was on the stands, mm-hmm. would I have even come back? Yeah. I'm glad I stuck around because issue two was pretty lit. But, this is uh, one of those comic series that really forces you to be the sort of comic book buyer that has like their pull shelf where yeah. like you go to the comic store and it's waiting for you because if a month went by from reading issue one into issue two, you're right. I'm not sure that I would remember how important it is to get issue two of this given how little happened in issue one. Especially if you have watched Star Trek Discovery on TV, like nothing is revelatory. Nothing is super revelatory at this point about the story we're getting. I mean, and I kind of wish we had read this while we were watching the show because I feel like I would have understood the significance of Voke and Laurel more. We've talked a lot about how in those early episodes, it was hard to know who was who Mm -hmm. among the Klingons and why we should care about any of them, so... So yeah, we uh, we jumped right into issue two, and again we are starting in the conversation between Voke and Laurel on the on the ship of the dead. We're uh, we're getting back into it with them. Uh, one thing I liked about this was uh, every time they're talking, it starts in a little box with the Klingon icon, and then there's a asterisk, and it says translated from the Klingon. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> that was fun. Laurel and Voke look great. In both of these comic books, I think they look screen accurate. I think the art style in this is awesome. Yeah, I mean, me too. it's kind of etched. Yeah, looking. they really do well territorially, like with the artwork too. Like when they go really big with scenes, like in that forest scene and in the uh, in the cauldron of Taklapok scene, like like they do great in large format. Yeah, and that cauldron scene is definitely like either one entire like i'm reading this on an ipad Mm -hmm. but so i just have to speculate but that looks like you're like opening the comic book and that's spread across two pages kind of a deal yeah yeah i've been i've been reading uh some of the uh jk woodward tng comics lately just for funsies Uh uh-huh and uh, and I, I, by the way, got dragged by J.K. on Twitter the other day because uh, yeah, that was because he lis- listened to the episode where I suggested maybe we focus on Discovery Comics. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, someone takes my side. Maybe we should start a beef with Go Trek Yourself. It's it's Greatest Discovery versus Go Trek Yourself. The problem with that beef is that I actually like that show. I want to beef with someone I don't like. Jay-Z and Nas actually liked each other and respected each other. They started that beef to to amplify record sales. Yeah? Yeah. All of that stuff with, like, Minister Farrakhan helping them squash it and stuff was, was publicity. Who's our Minister Farrakhan? Oh, man. Yeah, that's a good question. I think we need one of those. I mean, I'm inclined to say it's Jesse Thorne. Yeah, but he's kind of in the bag for us because we're on his network. Yeah. What about Brandon Bird? He combines the discipline of artistry and the enthusiasm for Star Trek, and I bet he could be pals with JK. Good nomination. Let's put him up on the board. <laughs> 
or our friend John Adams, also a, a Star Trek comics artist. If you're in the if you're in the comics game, I wonder how well you know the other people in that game. Well, it's a big industry, you know, a lot of it's very very hard to to know everybody. <laughs> but I I will say Laurel has a deep respect. This uh this cauldron scene is pretty rad. The the idea is that there's this kind of pit of lava with some stone columns that are naturally formed throughout it and these Klingons that are training at Borath are asked to kind of challenge themselves to to uh, sit there and and deal with the heat. A lot of uh, a lot of the challenges in becoming a Kalos like Klingon here seem to involve nudity. Yeah. And uh, I thought, like, in the medium of comic books, it was a little bit more permissive in terms of what you could show, but we never see a dick. <laughs> we never see two dicks, Ben. Yeah, we don't even see one. <laughs> Not even one of them peeks out. Do you Much think if you, see, if you see one dick in, in a Klingon context, it's partial nudity? <laughs> yeah, that's a PG-13. If you <laughs> see both, that's full frontal. That's a hard R. Yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> Kind of a neat idea, like everyone is, is in the hot box and they've got chains above them, right? And it's it's sort of a who can outlast the other situation yeah. here. And, and if it's you... a chain that's dangling down to a level where it looks like you'd have to like jump for it and then haul yourself up the chain. Yeah, the chain's got to be hot too, right? Yeah. That's going to really hurt your hands. Yeah, and they got those big long pokey fingers. Those don't look like they would be great for doing anything. Yeah. Like, you know when you see a lady with very big fingernails and she's like trying to type something on her iPhone and it's just a real challenge? Yeah. You need a, a typing wand in that scenario. Yeah. I feel like all of these Klingons are going to have a tough time with a smartphone. Yeah. Well, Takuvma is doing great at this challenge because he's the he's the last guy who wants to leave. And this catches the eye of, of the teachers down there. These teachers are Durgin and Balor. Durgin's yeah. the guy with the cool long mustache, and he's kind of the hard ass of the faculty. And uh, Balor yeah. is, is probably what you'd call like the easy A. He's got lower expectations. Yeah, but he also has clearly been through some shit because he has like a major slash scar across the side of his face. Like an animal clearly took claw to his face at some point i mean do you want to be shoelace mustache guy or do you want to be a uh, claw scar guy if you have to choose your look i mean choose your look <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure i'm claw slash guy because both i would probably be a pretty chill teacher that wasn't Ooh. a hard ass at all yeah and also like let's be honest i would get my ass kicked by an animal at some point Ballor is everyone's favorite teacher, clearly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he looks like he's the hardest, but he's the easiest. I, I like bet that. you wish you could grow a mustache like that one guy. That's why I'm saying I would want to be Durgin, like, for, for <laughs> facial hair reasons alone. So another challenge that they have to do is uh, go out in the nude and walk around on these kind of Himalaya-like icy, snowy mountains. And uh, this is another opportunity for Takuvma to prove himself able to withstand temperatures like no other. Yeah, I mean, it's double the shrinkage here, right? Mm, yeah. <laughs> it Maybe that's why like... they don't show the dicks in this scene, is they feel like it wouldn't be representative of <laughs> what the dicks really look like. If we show full-frame dick here, people will think that Klingons have small dicks. 
Do you think if these guys fell down and made snow angels, like like it would look like there were two sets of wings? <laughs> You're saying that dicks are articulated yeah. and also moving up and down like the arms? Could you counter-rotate them the way a burlesque dancer counter-rotates her tassels? <laughs> I feel like if they were side-by-side, side, maybe you could, but since they're... Since Top we believe bottom. them to be canonically up and down, yeah. Yeah. I I don't know why that makes me think you couldn't do it, but it, it does. Man. What do you think you call the the piece between the dicks? Like there is a there's a there's a piece of skin between the dicks, right? There has well, to be Adam, I think that's pretty obvious. They have two dicks, but they also have two taints. Wow. Are there four balls? And are they in two different scrotums, or is it like one scrotum with four balls in it? Here's what I'm going to say, and I'm going to, like, here's where I'm putting my money. Like, this is not just a theory. This is, like, what I actually believe. I think it's a single sack of balls. They're just bigger. I don't I don't think they have the room for for two sacks. It's just too much going on. They're not maybe walking the, around maybe like they Maybe the Klingons keep their balls up inside their bodies to protect them in a fight. Yeah. That'd be a, that'd be a more tactical way to do it. I mean, I've often wished that I didn't have balls in my trousers. And uh, so you said that you could wear a more tailored pant. Yeah, more tailored pant, but also like on a on a hot day, I feel like they're mostly just a nuisance. <laughs> you know, they're gonna do something at some point that's useful, but they haven't yet in my life. I don't know if I just have weird balls or what, but I've never felt like they're a nuisance. <laughs> what are you, Mark from Peep Show? <laughs> Yeah, no nuisance. I think I'm good with them. <laughs> There's this thing that happens that's kind of like uh, Rurapente-esque. Like one of the joggers falls down, but instead of leaving him out there as an example for why they don't have stockades or walls or anything, uh, Takuvma picks him up and like fireman carries him. It's the light within, Ben, that uh, that allows him, that gives him the greater strength. Let me tell you something about fireman carrying a person with two dicks. <laughs> like, just looking at this frame, like, the yeah. dicks need to pick a side, right? Oh, yeah. You think one goes on front of the shoulder and one goes down down his back? That's what I'm saying. Like, dick logistically, I have a lot of questions. Logistically? The second issue really asks a whole lot more than the first. Yeah. Uh, do, do they have two buttholes? Do you think? No, don't be fucking ridiculous, man. <laughs> oh, maybe they that have is, three, that and is they can a do childish like, question. They can do one flavor or the other, or a swirl. Jesus Christ, Ben. <laughs> These are a proud race. So the teachers are are like standing out at the at the edge of the school and uh, are convinced that the that their initiates have all perished in the cold, and they see. They see Takuvma carrying one of them back and leading the others, and uh, and it really seals it for them that he he uh, this light that he saw meditating in the cauldron is a real thing, and uh, it's not quite what you know the vision they had hoped he would get. It's not a vision of Kales, which would indicate that he is the reincarnation of Kales, or like the person in whom Kales will manifest. But uh, but the light is is a good sign, as far as they can tell. This is a lot like that rightful air TNG episode, right? Where the the faculty kind of argues amongst themselves about like what is sufficient or insufficient as 
as a sign that Kalis is coming. Yeah. And the hardliner, like Durgin is is actually the guy who's like willing to allow for light being sufficient. And Balor's like, fuck that. Like if we all can't <laughs> see the light, then then like this could just be like a magic show. Yeah. We we just have to take his word for it that he had this great vision of a light. Who hasn't seen a light? Yeah, I don't think Balor's gonna give him very good grades. I think this is gonna really disappoint Takuvma here. His GPA is plummeting by the moment. <laughs> but uh, they tell him he's learned everything uh, there is to learn here, and they say, you got to get back to Kronos because your sis is getting married, and uh, and she's getting married soon. Yeah, and, and evidently Maker's Mark is sponsoring the reception because <laughs> the letter comes with like a, a red wax seal. You know what? Uh, wedding receptions are expensive, Ben. I think it's fine. It's fine if you get a sponsor. Just sending out invitations cost us a couple hundred bucks if memory uh, serves because there's so many different parts. There's like the envelope that you're meant to put the RSVP part in and then ugh, just a pain in the butt. A lot of people reach that decision of like, are we going to serve hard alcohol at our wedding? <laughs> our wedding was so small that it was an easy choice. Yes, was our answer. But a lot of our friends see that as like price not even having to do with it as an invitation for disaster. Uh, sure. Where did you come down on the on the hard A thing? Uh, we we served a full bar. I was a little dissatisfied with it because we got married in a public park in Los Angeles, and that meant we had to pick from the vendor list that the public park provided us. Like only like a handful of companies have the correct kind of insurance to serve booze in a public park. None of them are like oriented toward the mixology enthusiast kind of crowd it was a pretty basic open bar set up with uh not not really fantastic uh options but uh it it worked i i thought the options were great as an attendee i thought i thought you did a great job with it i at first i was a little bit puzzled by your decision to to have it at a public park but then as soon as we got there, I recognized it as the park from the Nothing But a G Thing video where they played volleyball and then uh, and then smeared fuzzy stuff all over those girls' breasts while they were playing. Like, that really brought it home for me. I was not aware of that. Is that true? No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> like, retroactively, we can say that it was. Fun. Uh, well, so they get back to, he gets back to Kronos and he's, uh, he's a changed man. He's been on Borath for years. He's got the robes now. Like he carries himself very differently. He's that guy who comes back for the high school reunion 20 years later and is like jacked and people are noticing. I used to kick that guy's ass. Now he could kick my ass. <laughs> yeah. So he, you know, has kind of a not great interaction with his brothers when he gets back. One of his brothers is rocking a real push broom mustache, though. Yeah, with the with the moosh. <laughs> He's got the mustache with the moosh. Yeah, that's not a good look. That's not a good look for any Klingon. It's like a it's such a '90s move. That guy and, should be uh, teaching shop class. <laughs> that guy's the real Mark Marin of of that house. Yeah, he kind of is podcasting in the uh in the garage of house gerja <laughs> lock the gates <laughs> i didn't know that house gerja was a cat ranch <laughs> but also he runs into his uh his big sister who has uh 
uh, she's really grown up. She, I don't know if this is her wedding garb, but uh, she's got kind of a kind of a stylish getup on, like a. Hey, you want to wear red on your wedding day, huh? Yeah, like a coat that has like a kind of a skirted hem, and then pants and like tall uh, over the calf boots. She looks like she could be like uh, the sheriff of Nottingham or something in this getup. She's got CMMBs on. Come marry me, boots. <laughs> uh and she takes him over to the to the ship and uh it still looks like a moldy piece of shit on the outside but when she takes him in it is back to its former glory it's looking great yeah it's kind of like uh in the automobile parlance kind of a sleeper right on the outside you can't tell what it's got under the hood yeah or like those houses that you see in in la where you drive by them on the hill and it looks like a door to a very small house, but the house is actually like below grade because it's down the hill from the street. Right. So it's a, it's really huge inside. I like all the space over here for entertaining. That's a lot of space. The conversation that they have on this ship is is kind of melancholic. You know, like she's uh, really abandoned the dream that inspired her to fix this ship up to focus on the idea of reuniting the Klingon houses and. Takuvma has been doing his part to work on that project uh, by, you know, learning the ways of Kalas, but uh, but she really has walked away from it, and she uh, she tells him that like it was really the the common folk that that I guess are like indentured to their house are the ones that really did the the hard work here. I don't like getting my hair cut too short because of my melancholic. <laughs> Yeah, it's like there was never any kind of good feelings about this marriage from the start. What there was hope for was for this ship. Her place as a female and therefore like a an asset of the house is something that she really resisted in the previous issue and like reuniting with her years later she is she seems to have really resigned herself to it in these scenes yeah she's changed man yeah it's really crushing she shows uh to Kuvma one of the uh one of the features of this of this whip it's the novelty horn and the song that it plays <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna love this <laughs> And then they, uh, yeah, it, they've painted a uh, Confederate flag on the hood of it, and they, they take it off a jump. Kel is kind of a useful character in this scene because, like, we can perceive that Jaula has changed and her priorities have changed as a result. But it really takes Kel going, like, yeah, man, like, like things have sort of gone to shit since you've gone. The ship is like the thing that keeps us together. Like, it's. It's a commune for people who still need it. Uh, it's a good place to be, but like the reasons behind it existing have changed. And Kel is a guy who used to love Jula. A lot has changed. Kel even looks like more grown up, yeah, which I really liked because I feel like Takuvma, his his growth was you know there's a nice chiaroscuro. Mm. You don't necessarily <laughs> notice the the change over time. Yeah. But like the second you see him next to Kel, you're like, oh, Kel's all grown up. And yeah, like Takuvma looks like Takuvma from TV show, not like nine-year-old Takuvma. Yeah. It helps, it helps to have that end goal artistically to have for the aging process. 
the last bit of advice that Kel gives to Kuvma is like, hey, man, uh, why don't you hang out with us on the ship? Like, we can feast. You didn't have to go to that wedding. And Kuvma's like, nah, like, the whole reason I came back is to go to this thing. I'm kinda- I already sent the RSVP, and she'd be rip shit with me if I missed it now. You know, they already spent the money on the catering. And she everything. already saw me. Like, we hung out. <laughs> to ditch on the wedding would be a really bad look. So it's totally understandable that he would go. It is, but also, like, a little weird that Cal is riding so hard for him not going. Yeah. Like, I wish he would just said why. Yeah. Well, if he said why, we wouldn't have gotten this great surprise. Yeah, he's a slave to the narrative just like all of us. <laughs> yeah, it's Takufma going to the wedding, and he sees uh, the fiancé, <laughs> Delore, of House Mokai, in just, like, ankle-deep blood. It's unclear whether or not this is how weddings go on Kronos, uh, but what's happened here is that uh, he's killed all of Takuma's brothers and is demanding fealty to him. This is one of those things where, in any other context, I could see a character going like, sure, fealty, you got it, dude, Mm -hmm. and then like not actually acting on that later. But Takuma has just been dipped in honor, you know? Like, that's all he's been doing for the last few yeah. years is, like, becoming a man of honor and, and integrity. And uh, so he's, I, I, I get the sense that shit is going to pop off in the, next, <laughs> in the next issue. What if the foreskin covered both dicks at once? What? They're, they're both, it's like two sausages in one casing? Yeah. What about that? <laughs> what if that's a thing? Gross. <laughs> Just impossible to clean, Ben. <laughs> did you like these comics, Ben? Uh, I really did. I, I'm really glad that we read two instead of just one, because I don't think that this would have been much of a podcast episode if we had just read one. If you haven't gotten into these, uh, the four have been combined into into one long graphic novel, So, and I think it's probably a little bit less expensive to buy it that way. Yeah, I might actually order that or go go over to my local comic shop even better and see if they've got it cuz uh I uh I like uh reading them on the iPad, but I have a hard copy of JK's book uh Mirror Broken and uh I've been really enjoying the uh the tactile experience of of reading the comic in that way. Yeah, I agree. That's a better way it's to l- do it. A little better. Yeah. I like these issues too, Ben. I think uh, we really needed the second one to dial up the tension because that first one alone just was was too much, too much backstory. But I think it's fun to hang out with Takuvma again. Like I've always found Takuvma a little bit cartoonishly orthodox, mm-hmm. and it's nice to see like how exactly he got to be that way before he was yeah. killed. So uh, it's nice to have some of those questions answered. It's nice to watch the Noah Baumbach directed. Takuvma at the wedding. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> well, Adam, do you want to check and see if we have any Priority One messages? Yeah, let's do it. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Adam, we do have a Priority One message here. It's for Zane, and it is from Raudia. And it goes like this. Hey, Zane, look behind the couch. And then in parentheses, at work. <laughs> 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 Just to be clear about which couch to look behind. Uh, this maybe should have come out 
in the last episode or something like that. So uh, <laughs> apologize if that was a food item oh, that no. is behind the couch. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of explanation. We got this Jumbotron request in November of last year with just a request to air it as close to September 3rd as possible. So uh, apologies, we weren't able to do that two weeks ago. Yeah. But uh, but here we are, and hopefully that is not a thing behind the couch covered in mold. <laughs> I hope it doesn't look like the Klingon ship of the dead right now. Yeah. Well, uh, if you would like to send a Priority One message on the greatest discovery, go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. It's 100 bucks for a personal message and 200 for a commercial message. And we really appreciate the support for our little program here. I spent a lot of last week sick in bed. And one thing I was so happy I had when I needed something to eat but didn't really have the energy to cook myself something was Factor Meals. Got a couple of these in the fridge at all times and they are delicious, fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted meals. And they're ready to go in just about two minutes. And this is convenience food that is actually tasty and full of real ingredients and not hyper-processed crap. And they got you covered all throughout the day. They got pancakes, smoothies, grab-and-go bites, and uh, you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause and reschedule deliveries at any time. So head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use code trek50 to get 50% off. That's code trek50 at factormeals.com slash trek50 to get 50% off. Top of the morning to you. This episode is brought to you by the St. Patrick's Day Shamrock Shavers Manscaped. This year, don't just chase rainbows. Make your own pot of gold and groom your little leprechaun with the leaders in below-the-kilt care. I didn't make that up. That's actual copy sent to us by the great folks over at Manscaped who make the shaver that I use downstairs on my little leprechaun. And uh, I recommend it. Uh, it works great. Uh, trimming the hedges in your Irish garden isn't just for below the belt. You can complete your look with their new signature Beard Hedger Pro Kit plus Handyman Electric Face Shaver. Everything they make is really good and high quality. And this new trimmer that they have comes with two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blades. They've got one for a classic trim and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. So get 20% off plus free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and get free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. This St. Patrick's Day, make sure your little hairy leprechaun is luckier than ever with Manscaped. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! 
Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a comic book drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda. Yeah, I, I'm i going to go with uh, the nude man that's clambering up onto the bridge in the uh, in the cauldron scene. Uh, he's like apologizing for not being able to to handle the heat. Uh-huh. <laughs> like I don't know why Takuvma would know any more than this guy, but this guy just hasn't caught on that. There's no excuses in boot camp. It's partly just the way he's drawn. Like it's so undignified the way he's like clambering up onto the onto the bridge. Like he's definitely not Takuvma material. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just uh, I got a kick out of that that little guy. Probably the same guy that. Takuvma winds up having to carry back right. in the snow. How about yourself? My drunk Shimoda is related to two little guys. Uh, two little guys we don't see because I'm making my drunk Shimoda uh, the artist for these two comics. It's Tony Shastine gets the art mm. by credit here. The reason I'm nominating him is that there isn't even implied double dicks here. And, in, <laughs> and this is... This is such an accomplished artist that we're seeing like textures and shadows all over the place. Like even yeah. page five of the second issue, like there's frames for dialogue and then there's like just a background that the frames lie on that is so textured and beautiful. Like yeah. this guy clearly is great at what he does and yet there is not even a hint of a double dick outline. There's that scene in the snow where like everything is, is so cutely covered up. And I feel like it's a bit of an Austin Powers gag, right? Yeah. And it's the Austin Powersification of it that makes me call it a Shimoda because like if it was less if you just cut the frame at the waist, then it's less it doesn't stand out as much, but because it's so cute throughout, I really wonder if there was ever a conversation about like how much dick we can show <laughs> and even if we can show implied dick, but that there yeah. isn't even implied dick in two issues of nude Klingons we've seen and not even, not even anything. I think you could get away with a hilarious half outline of something like there's there's a way you could do it and still make it adhere to the comics code so i'm gonna name tony shastine my drunk shimoda i'm going outside the comic for this that is a lot of fun well adam uh that was a fun ep and i guess the next one we will be talking about a short trek i'm really looking forward to that yeah me too i'm psyched Super brand psyched. new episode of discovery yeah. So many questions. What are they, like 15 minutes long? Yeah, Something between like 10 and 15 minutes. That sounds great. Yeah. I feel like I could get a lot out of a 10 or 15 minute thing right now. I feel like we could easily make an hour long episode about a 15 minute episode of Discovery. That's just what we do. That's value. I wish they would do short treks all year round. Yeah. 
and and from all different eras. Like, give me a short track set on Deep Space Nine. That would be amazing. Give me give me something. I would be fucking flipping out if there was a if there was a short track set in the TNG era. Good thinking. It's amazing with such good ideas you remain outside the pocket. I know. I know. Hopefully the pocket is listening. Yeah. If they know what's good for them, the pocket's listening. <laughs> this is where all the good ideas are coming from, right? Yeah, seriously. All right, man. Well, uh, we'll leave it to Rob from here. And uh, looking forward to next step. Me too. The Greatest Discovery is a Maximum Fun podcast hosted by Adam Pranica and Ben Harrison. It's produced and edited by me, Rob Schulte, and our theme music is by Adam Ragusea. Head on over to MaximumFun.org slash donate to support the ongoing production of our show. Or you can leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can find Ben on Twitter at BenjaminAHR, Adam is at CutForTime, and I'm at Rob K. Schulte. Please use the hashtag GreatestGen or GreatestDiscovery when tweeting about the show. See you next time. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.